This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Golly, how was worship today? That was awesome. Thank you, thank you, worship team. Well, hey, if you are here for the very first time, good morning and welcome. My name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of New Life, and it's uh, my joy and privilege to be able to teach all of us for the next few minutes uh, some really important principles from God's Word. For those of you who are brand new, let me introduce you to a couple of tools that all the rest of us use all the time. You'll find them in your program, and the first is, is this card. I love the fact that Pastor Kevin, who is our lead pastor, who happens to be uh, at a wedding in the Midwest, so uh, hey... He knew when to leave, right? When Kevin leaves, the sun comes out. It's beautiful, right? <laughs> you won't tell him that, though, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, as Kevin loves to call this, this is your all-access pass to our pastoral staff. It really is one of the most important things that happens in our church every single week. Uh, so if you put your name and your contact information on the front, on the back side, you can ask for information or volunteer for anything that our church is doing. There's a place for you also to submit a request if you would like for our pastoral staff to pray about something that's happening in your lives. Uh, we, would, we would certainly be happy to do that. Uh, there's a place in the back to record. When I get done teaching, I'm going to give you the opportunity with some suggested next steps. You can actually let us know what next steps you'll be taking because we would like to pray in partnership with you about that because church is a place where we come to get connected to God, and to learn about life. And it's my prayer that that happens for you, both of those, that, that you feel a deep sense of connection with God this morning for having been here, and that when you leave the doors a few minutes from now, that you will feel a little bit better prepared to go out and live the wonderful life that God has for you. So um, at the end of our service, we'll be collecting these. So for right now, if you put your name and contact information on the front and just set that aside. Uh, we'll pick it up a little bit later. The second is uh, this uh, half sheet of teaching notes. As I said before, it's a place for you to learn about life, and that half sheet will allow you to take your learning with you as you go today. Now, we are in the middle of a series of teachings called Love Actually, and it's a series on marriage, but as I launch into this, this teaching on marriage, I at least want to throw the rope out there and, and draw in everybody. So everything that I'm going to teach you today actually works in any relationship. It will help you if you want to get closer to your children. It will help you if you want to get closer to your housemates or if you're in college to your dorm mates or people that you share uh, the space that you live. It will help you uh, if you want to get closer to people who are your co-workers in the workspace, any relationship in the world, and maybe most especially, it will help you if you want to get close to God. These are principles that work in every relationship, even though the illustrations I'm going to give will be about marriage because we're focusing on that. Three or four weeks ago, Kevin taught us that marriage, as, as it is designed in the Bible is not actually designed to be a contract where um, I have my roles and my wife has her roles and if I stay in my territory and out of her stuff 
and she stays in her territory and out of my stuff, and we agree on what's her stuff and my stuff, and we agree on what she's going to do with the kids and what I'm going to do with the kids, and we all just stay in our own little world, and we have this contract uh, that, that we can live peaceably under the same roof and maybe even have some sense of fulfillment in marriage. And that oftentimes that's sort of how marriage shakes out, but that there's actually a deeper way to do marriage that would be much more rich and rewarding if we would press into it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, but it was the idea that, that we would submit to one another and that I would look for ways to, to partner with my wife and to support her and she would do the same for me. And then uh, Kevin and Maria talked to us about the concept of safety first in marriage. If marriage is going to be a rich and fulfilling place, it has to be the place, it has to be a safe haven from all the rest of life. And it has to be a space that I can enter into with my spouse where I can literally lay out anything that's going on on the inside of me and know that that's going to be safe, that that's never going to be used against me, that those points of vulnerability are never going to be um, are never going to be leveraged in a way that would hurt me. And then, um, and then Kevin talked to us about how to affair-proof our marriage, and that oftentimes the ideas behind affair-proofing our marriages are all these things that you shouldn't do and can't do. And, and Kevin laid it out so wonderfully that the best way to affair-proof your marriage is actually to develop intimacy between the, the husband and wife. And when that happens, the, the, the possibility of an affair goes way down, far lower than if we just have a bunch of rules about things we can't do. So now today, I'm going to give you what I'm going to teach you. I'm going to give it to you in three words. I bet you never thought you'd come to church and hear a three-word sermon, right? So you're ready to fold up shop and go home after I give you these three words. Yeah, okay, all right, here we go. I'm going to say them to you once, and then I want you to say them back to me. All right, here we go. I will say, here's the sermon in, in, a, in a sentence. Love actually talks. Are you ready? Say it back to me. Love actually talks. Yeah, Kevin said, hey, why don't you give them something to talk about? Teach them about the levels of communication. And the more I pressed into this with God, the more I realized that the heart of this teaching and the heart of what God would share with us if we want to go richer and fuller and deeper in marriage is that we actually have to talk. So what would that look like? Why would we have to talk other than what we actually have to talk about? Well, let's go all the way back to the very first statement that in the Bible about marriage. And here it is in Genesis chapter 2. So, after God has, well, I'll read that to you in a minute. So, God's created Adam, and Adam looks around, and every animal in the garden has a counterpart. There's male and female. Every animal that he names, there's male and female. And he looks at God and says, am I missing something? Because I don't see one of those for me. And so God put Adam in a deep sleep and he took a rib out of Adam and he fashioned Eve. And when God brought Adam out of the anesthesia and he sort of wiped the fog from his eyes and he looked over there and there was Eve. There's a, there's a Hebrew word in there 
that's really obscure, but I think it might be something like hubba hubba. <laughs> like I was expecting good, but oh yeah. So here's what Adam says. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Pause with me for just a minute. If you've ever been in the delivery room of a hospital and you've ever held your brand new born child, you know what that means. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man, and that's literally what woman means. Now here's what I want you to underline, because this is what we're going to press into today. This is why a man will leave, circle the word leave, his father and mother, and be united, circle the word united, with his wife, and they will what? Become one flesh. You could circle that phrase too. There's a powerful connection between leaving father and mother being united with one's spouse, and then taking that amazing journey of becoming like one flesh. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, later would talk about this, and he would call this a great mystery. This, how this becoming one flesh works. So I brought a little example today. This is a board, right? You have figured that out. It's a trim board, but what you don't know about this board is this is actually two boards. If I flip it over, you can see it's actually two boards. But the crazy thing about these two boards is they have been joined together in such a way that they act as one. And from external viewpoints, they look pretty much like one board. It's a wonderful picture of marriage. It's how marriage is supposed to work. Here are two people. They still retain their identity. You can see the darker side. You can see the lighter side. They have their own grain. They have their own coloring. They have their own individual characteristics. But they have been joined together in such a way that they function as one. That's what God is saying. Now, the really big question is, How does that happen? How can that happen in marriage so that we can take two people who are individuals and we can put them together so permanently? By the way, if you were to break this board, it would not break where it's bonded. It's stronger in the bond than it is in its individual pieces. And that's the way marriage is supposed to be. That's the way God designed it, that you and I when we come together in marriage, husband and wife, that we would be joined so tightly. By the way, you know why I have my fingers like this? Because this board is actually joined with what's called a finger joint. And if you were to look at the side of this board, it looks exactly like this. And that's how it's joined together. So how do we become these two people that are joined so tightly that we function as one, and if you were to break us or to try to break this bond, you would break one of us before you broke the bond. 
I'm going to give us some very simple principles of how that... Now, what's their sermon in a nutshell? What is it? Love actually... Uh, love actually talks. So let's dig into this. The big idea behind this bonding is, is a principle that I know you and I have observed in each other and in ourselves more times than once in life. The more we know someone through personal experience, the more likely we are to love and value them. Have you ever found yourself attracted to someone, either as a friend or whatever else, that you thought, wow, I never thought I would have become their friend? We've all had that experience. How'd that happen? Somehow, you fell into a conversation with them, and the more you talked with them, the more you understood them. You did not look them up. You didn't Google them and read all about them and think, oh, I'm finding myself attracted to this person. No, you actually love, actually what? Talks. And I think oftentimes the reason that our marriages settle at a fairly shallow level is because we don't actually talk that much. Now, there are multiple reasons for that, and I won't get into all those reasons, but I just want you to know this. If you really want to love and value someone, if you really want to bond with them, try talking with them on deeper levels. And we'll get into that in just a few minutes. So that's big idea number one, is that we have to talk if we want to value people. Now, um, I brought along another prop, a brick. And I brought along a brick for a reason, because I want you to understand, and this is big idea number two, and that is conversations are the building blocks of relationships. Now, this brick by itself is not really much. It's fairly heavy, but you can't do a whole lot with it. But you know, if you put a whole bunch of these together, you can build a palace. And it would be a rather handsome one. It would be beautiful. And one conversation in and of itself will not make your marriage. But if you look at every conversation as a building block and you stack conversation upon conversation upon conversation upon conversation, eventually you can get quite a palace. For this reason, we will leave father and mother and be what? United. Does going through a wedding ceremony unite people? No, not really. Right? Does signing the marriage license, is that what creates the bond and getting it filed with the county clerk so that you have a permanent legal record that you are officially bonded now? No, that doesn't really bond. Some of us think if we just had kids... And you find out the kids actually don't draw you together. They actually test the bond. <laughs> Have you yeah. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> yes. They, they actually test that bond. Um, that's just how it works. It's actually conversations that actually create that web and that bond us together. And so we're going to press into what those conversations need to look like. But the why that we have. Why does love talk? Because love realizes that where love is silent, 
relationships cannot grow. And where love talks, notice I didn't say shouts, where love talks, relationships grow and flourish. So that's the why. Now let's take a look at the what. Because the what is really important. Now just for a minute, don't, don't look at the diagram, just listen to me, all right? <clears throat> the shallowest level of conversation is what we call small talk. It's what you do when you get together with a whole bunch of people you don't know at a seminar somewhere, and they say, go have lunch together. And you sit at the table and you say, you think the Giants are going to do okay this year? Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> says the guy with the Giants tie-dye t-shirt, right? So somebody says yes, somebody else says, well, I don't know, they look a little rough and in, in the bullpen, and, and, and so you have a bunch of small talk about a game called baseball. Or someone says, um, you think it's going to rain? Do you think we need any more rain? Personally, I'm ready for another drought. <laughs> and, no, I'm not. Just teasing, all right? But it's just small talk. It's just little stuff that in the grand scheme of life doesn't make any difference. Now it's where... All conversations really begin. It's where all relationships really begin. But if the relationship never gets deeper than small talk, it will always be a small relationship. A little bit deeper than that are things called facts and logistics. And this is oftentimes where it's very natural for us to settle into, especially after we have those little relationship testers called kids. You can't call your kids that when you leave here, even though that's what they are. So here's what happens. So you got mom and dad sitting at the breakfast table, and okay, who's taking the kids to school, and who's picking the kids up, and Johnny has a baseball game, and Lizzie has gymnastics, and who's taking Johnny to the baseball game, <clears throat> who's taking Lizzie to gymnastics, and when are we all getting home, and who's cooking dinner, and who's working with the kids on their homework, and who's going to put the kids to bed, and when the fi kids finally get put to bed... Dad's worked all day. Mom's worked all day. They're both dog-tired. The last thing they want to do is look at each other and say, Hey, babe, how about a deep conversation? <laughs> We've all been there, right? And you, usually you know what those deep conversations are. I'll tell you what they are. Somebody's been sitting on something for several days. And we're about to generate a lot more heat than light. Got it? Yes. Right. It's those facts and logistics that oftentimes consume us in our relationships. And, and it's easy to get stuck there. For those of us who would love to go deeper, I want to press into those last three levels. Because they're really important, okay? Okay. We're going to talk about opinions and beliefs. Here's what I want you to see. The further down this list you go, the more vulnerable you become and the more transparent you become. Opinions and beliefs. This is where I tell Monica what I actually believe. Not necessarily about her, could be about her. Could be what I believe about myself. 
It could be what I believe about our staff at the church. It could be what I believe about the people of our church. It could be what I believe about our current president. It could be what I believe about our former president. It's where I begin to open up how I think and what's going on in my head, what's going on in my heart, how I see the world, how I see the world working, how I see the world not working. And the interesting thing is when we begin to share at a level that gets us down into opinions and beliefs, it's, it's almost, you know this to be the case when you've gotten there, when you share your opinions and beliefs, what do you often get from the person you're talking with? Their opinions and their beliefs. Now there's a really important principle there. And that is vulnerability oftentimes begets vulnerability. Super powerful principle. And we're just beginning the journey of vulnerability. Now, listen, when we attach to our opinions and beliefs a doggedness and a bullheadedness and a judgmentality, it makes those opinions really hard to hear. Got it? That was not a real resounding amen. Okay? I can't tell you that enough. It's a wonderful thing to share your opinions and beliefs when you do it in a context of safety, when you do it in a context of recognizing other people may have other differing opinions and they're not idiots for doing so. Right? They're just normal people. Going down the vulnerability scale, when we begin to share feelings, feelings go a level deeper than opinions. So something happens at work, and I go home and I tell Monica, you know, I got this phone call today at work, and, and here was the phone call I got. And if it was a great phone call, if I just tell her what it is, I've given her a fact. I may even give a belief that comes out of that phone call, but when I dare to tell her how I felt about that, golly, that just made my day. Makes all the other stuff that I put up with worth it when I get that kind of a phone call or that kind of a note or that kind of interaction with someone because I'm starting to expose not only what I believe and what's up here, I'm starting to expose what I feel and what's in here. And when we move from the head to the heart, the relationship gets richer and better. And if I'll go one level deeper, because this is where the greatest vulnerability is, and that is if I will share with her not only how I feel, but some inadequacy that that raises to the surface of my life. And how I need her partnership in that area. And I could give all of us illustrations, but I just want to talk in principles for right now. Because the, the, the principle will work in your life. The illustrations will be all different for you. But if all the way down to the needs, now I've got my heart wide open. I'm 100% transparent. She knows not only what happened, she knows how I feel about it, and she knows 
this area of insecurity or inadequacy that's been nicked by that and how that I feel exposed in that and how that I actually sense danger and personal inability to handle that on my own. Now we are down to a level where we can literally bond together because we are now functioning as one flesh where she can come alongside me in those areas and she can actually bolster me where I really need that and meet in my life what might be lacking there. Now I want you to write three words. There's a bracket and a place for you to write three words. I want you to write these three words. I want you to write risk, I mean rich. Okay? Big idea number three is this. And that is when our conversations take place in these in areas three, four, and five, levels three, four, and five, they are what make marriage rich. If you try to have a rich marriage just on the top two, well, you'll get your kids raised, but when your kids are all gone, you look at each other and you go, who are you? Because you won't actually know what's going on in here. This is what makes marriage rich. But I want to tell you this, okay? It's also where the biggest risk is in marriage. Because if you stay on levels one and two, you can pretty much always agree on the details of who needs to take care of what. It's not that hard. There's not a whole lot of risk there. But when you get down to levels three, four, and five, there's a lot more risk because there's a lot more vulnerability and transparency. So it's a risk-reward thing. I had you write down the word sparks as well because there's an interesting little phenomenon that takes place in these romantic relationships. So here's a couple... Well, they're not a couple yet, but they're going out on their very first date. And so they go out on their date, and they go back to their respective living places, and their roommates want to know one thing. Were there any sparks? Right? And if the answer is, no, no, we go, ah, oh, that's too bad. But if the answer is yes, we go, all right, going to go out again? Yeah, there was enough sparks. I think we're going to do that again. Now, there's an amazing thing that happens once you get married. And you have a conversation, and people go, any sparks? Now it's a bad thing. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Before marriage, sparks are great. After marriage, sparks are bad. <laughs> I want to teach you one more principle before we close. And it's probably the most important one I can teach you today. And it comes out of a hobby of mine. I'm a woodworker by hobby, and I have a shop filled with tools. And here's big idea number four. If we leave the tools in the shop, no one ever gets hurt. But nothing ever gets built. You understand how that works in relationships? The tools are in levels three, four, and five. Those are the building blocks of relationships, not levels one and two. Levels three, four, and five. If you leave the tools in the shop, nobody gets hurt, but nothing ever gets built. And I would say to you, one of the best things you can do is get the tools out of the shop and start building. Start building. 
And wherever you are in that building process, I have a couple of suggested next steps, and you'll find them on the back of your of your um, of that long skinny card. And some of you are looking at me and going, "Wait a minute, we're not done with all the blanks yet, right?" How many of you noticed that? Okay, that was not on purpose, but there is a little hook in that. All right, here's the hook. Those accidentally got put in the notes but I'm actually going to teach you through that next week. So if you want the rest of the blanks, you got to come back, all right? (laughs) Wasn't that clever? Anyway, next week, I'm going to teach you. Today I talk to you about the why we talk, and I talk to you about the what we talk about. Next week, I'm I'm going to teach us on how we can talk about that. Uh, in a strange uh, titled sermon called We Have Met the Enemy. And if you want to know the rest of it, you'll have to come back, all right? <laughs> so uh, for now, let's go to, to the suggested next steps. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take number two first, and, and here it is. I will do heart space work to prepare myself for deeper connection with my spouse. Here's the reality of where many of us are. Many of us are actually afraid to go deeper in our relationship with our spouse because every time we, tip our, we dip our toe in the water that goes deeper, sparks fly. And we're like, I don't like that. Okay? So this week, some of us need to do the heart space and get alone with God and, and take some time by ourselves and, and start working on our hearts so that we can decide, I actually do want to go deeper with my spouse. Because if you try to go deeper and you don't do the heart space, probably not going to work that well. So that's the first thing. I'll do the heart space. And then, the, and then number three is, I will plan dates and conversation questions with my spouse. So you will see uh, in your notes, somewhere in your notes, you see the, the link to the dating questions? Yep, they're in there, all right? Uh, I, I wish there was a way you could just click on that, but you know how that is. That's a piece of paper. So you'll have to actually copy that. If You'll have to actually type that into your web browser. But I want to tell you, that's so fun to go. There's a whole bunch of wonderful questions. So you can just go and pick out three or four and dive in. That'll be way fun. Now, they're called dating questions. There's a reason they're called dating questions and not after you climb into bed and are totally exhausted questions. Okay? They're dating questions. That implies that you're actually going to take the time to set time aside on your calendar and that you're going to go to that date prepared with some questions. And and it's not, I want to make sure, I'm going to test to see if they have the right answer to that question. These are not right and wrong answered questions. They're just questions that will help you dig deeper and, and begin to build. They're, they're brick questions, okay? And then uh, option number one. For those of you who have never made a first-time decision to follow Jesus, to enter into this personal relationship, I said at the beginning of our message that the principles I'm going to teach you work and maybe especially well in your connection with God. I don't have time to get into all the teaching of the Bible, but let me just put it this way. Here we are, here God is, 
And the one who enables us to have this wonderful connection with God is Jesus. Through what he did for you and me when he died on the cross, he purchased for us the ability to live the reality that you and I sang about as we were led so well this morning. He gave us the ability to live as God's child. And I want to tell you the essence of the Christian life is learning how to seek God and learning how to live as his child. And that journey begins with the first step, and the first step is saying, God, I want in on that journey. And because of what Jesus did for me, I'm in. So if you're ready to make that choice, and I would encourage there's never a better day than today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and you can repeat this prayer. It's just the first step in this journey. But if you pray this prayer on your card, I want you to check that option that I'm entering into a first-time relationship with Jesus. We want to get some resources into your hands so you're not just abandoned on that journey. You know how to get started well. We want to pray for you this week. So here's the prayer to pray, and let's all bow our heads, and if you're ready, you can say it where you are, you can say it out loud, you can say it in your heart, you've got to mean it. Here's what it says. Dear God, I thank you that Jesus made a way for me to be your child. Today, I enter into that relationship. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I commit myself to following you with my life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.